Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to be with you on now this Friday of June the 12th of 2020. Uh, we have had a, a precious, tremendous week, a precious week, a tremendous week, uh, insightful week, as we've been studying uh, throughout this whole week, the, um, the story of the days of Noah, and more specifically on, on the, the things that we have been able to glean uh, this week concerning the life of, of Noah, concerning his genealogy, concerning his character, and so many things that uh, have brought light and, and has given us a better understanding of the days that we are living in this hour. So this is a precious time that we we are honored uh, that you that you would uh, join us today. It's a precious time in the Word of God, and we hope that um, you are being blessed, that you will continue to listen and tell others um, uh, about these podcasts. As we head uh, into the weekend, uh, we pray that today, uh, I know God has something new and fresh for us and, and more things that we're going to be able to glean today as we study the Word of God together. Um, it's always a pleasure uh, to be here with the panel, uh, Brother Marty, Brother Fernando, Brother Jeremiah, uh, to study the Word of God together. This is what it's all about. This is what's important, I think, throughout the day is, is the study of God's Word. So without further ado, we'll leave it with Brother Marty to share what God has placed in your heart as we study the Word of God together. Well, praise the Lord. We come to our, our concluding part of the days of Noah. <clears throat> you know, really, it's almost impossible to to exhaust <laughs> everything we could glean from these stories. I mean, we we actually went all the way back to uh, the beginning, you know, and, uh, and we took it through uh, some very uh, interesting nuggets that we were able to see and and uh we pray that uh, if you're just joining us today that you you take your time and and uh and review you know each podcast this week uh because i think there's a lot of things the lord uh helped us to see and reflect upon that would uh that is that is pertinent information really to to our times and and, and the times we find ourselves living in again we we are studying noah because we were commanded to do so by the lord he told us his disciples as we started off this week in Luke 17 to uh, to consider the days of Noah he said that it would be just as it was in Noah's day so it would be just prior to his coming and and as we reflected on those things over the week uh, we talked about how that uh, the reason he drew our attention to those uh, to that to the times of Noah is because he wanted a final generation <coughs> that would be alive at the time prior to his second coming to go back and to, to look and reflect and to, and to, to find the, the similar characteristics, the same types of situations and circumstances uh, that were prevalent just prior to the, to the judgment of the flood uh, would also once again uh, reach their, their, their height, their climax, their apex in a final generation. And so, he wanted them to understand that, and that's why we began this study, because we are living in very, very similar times, and, and while we won't take the time to review, uh, you know, the entire week, we encourage you to go back and listen to uh, to the first four parts, if you haven't heard them, and uh, and, and listen to uh, to the concluding part today. 
And so, as we discussed yesterday, Noah has reached the time now uh, where it's revealed to us in Genesis chapter 6 uh, that that much had transpired and, and the culmination of human history was fast approaching. And God told us in Genesis chapter 6, if you have your Bibles, we encourage you to open them and follow along with us. And and my brothers, you jump in any time, like I said, uh, like is our custom. <laughs> in Genesis chapter 6, uh, the Lord limits the the time frame or the the remaining uh, days before He He is going to judge. And in Genesis chapter six, verse one through seven, as we talked about before, God begins to lay the case out for why He is going to bring destruction upon the face of the earth, and and why it is right that He do so. And so the first seven verses of Genesis chapter six, God reveals. His case, it's 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 spoken in a judicial manner, as if a judge is sitting on the bench and he's getting ready to pass sentence after having, um, you know, acquired all the evidence and 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 so forth and so on to lay the case as to what his sentence would be, and the sentence would would indeed be the culmination of human history, as it was then. It spanned about a thousand years. And once the flood came, it concluded uh, the thousand years of human history, and uh, and only Noah and his family were saved. And we looked at those things, and we went down the list that God gave, and uh, and and why um, it was necessary. And and what's interesting as well as as we pointed out and have over the last several podcasts is that when you read the account of 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 the coming destruction and judgment that was going to be. Uh, realize on the earth, you really don't see the Lord talking to Noah until, uh, you know, verse 13, where he literally breaks in and, and, and begins to reveal to Noah that, that the countdown has begun. And, and so what's interesting to me about that is in Genesis chapter 6, verse 1 through 7, as God is laying out the case, uh, he's, he's having a counsel uh, a, a gathering, a meeting uh, that is transpiring in in the councils of heaven itself. So what this alerts us to, and and what I find very interesting, is is that that all of this was going on uh, prior to it fully being revealed to Noah. And so, you know, things were moving, events were were uh, were propelling humanity forward headed to an ultimate conclusion where judgment would be poured out and all of this is is happening unbeknownst, unbeknownst to the society of that day in other words they they weren't aware of it they were living in such a climate and in such a situation that was so uh out of control that that the last thing they had on their mind was the conclusion of all things but what we have been studying and what we know, as we talked about yesterday from extra biblical sources like Josephus or the book of Enoch or even the writings of the of the sages and, and rabbinic writings, uh, it, it, it tells us and, and reveals to us that prophecies had been given way back uh, in, in, you know, throughout history leading up to the flood. And, and they were brought down through the line of Seth, which we discussed in chapter in chapter five of, of Genesis, where where the where the the accounting of human history shifts from the line of Cain to the line of Seth, and we talked about that yesterday. 
Jesus Christ himself being in the line of Seth, which you can find in Luke chapter 3, I think it's like around verse 36 or so, where it talks about that the Lord himself uh, is it comes through the line of Seth. And in Genesis chapter 5, the reason that God turns our attention to the to the to the line of Seth is because that was the way that the spirit of God was communicating through Moses to us that God's attention would be turned and focused on on the holy seed the identifiable consecrated blessed seed uh that would endure unto the judgment and beyond and and this is where we draw comfort because what that implies to us who are living now in these times, which are very much akin to the days of Noah, is that God has been watching his church since the Lord died on Calvary, rose from the dead, and ascended into heaven, that he, he has been watching each and every generation and preserving the saints of God throughout history. And so when it culminates in Genesis chapter 5, that Noah, our attention is drawn to Noah, and then chapter six, the case is being made why humanity and really all of creation would, would once again fall under the judgment of God. He's letting us know that he has watched throughout the generation and preserved the souls of those that belong to his, to his son. And so you can go back and review those things, and I think you'll find them very fascinating. But as we began yesterday and concluded yesterday, we draw our attention now to Noah, because that's what the scripture does in verse eight. It tells us, but Noah 6, 8, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And then it says, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. And, and what we discussed about that yesterday is, as we began to talk about it, is, is how corrupt, how violent, how demonic society had become and and how culture itself and the way that humanity evolved became to such an extent that God would say their thoughts were on evil continually. The imaginations of their heart, everything that is happening is violent. Everything is corrupt. Even the earth itself became defiled up underneath the caretaking of humanity. And right. and what we pointed out and what we began to focus on was if anybody had an excuse <laughs> not to walk a consecrated and holy life, it would have been Noah. But the reason that the Bible says Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, amongst many other reasons, was the way that he was conducting himself in the middle of a generation gone absolutely crazy. A generation that was fraught with many temptations, many avenues uh, for avarice and sin, many uh, opportunities to to disconnect himself from his consecrated life. But God speaks about him by calling him a just man. And as we talked about yesterday, the word just literally means a zadik, which means one who was righteous in conduct and in character. So not only did he live his life outwardly, but inwardly he was consecrated to God. This is a fascinating thing if we discuss it, because <clears throat> understand, even though that was the history then, 
we can relate to it today. Because if we've ever seen a society, especially in the West, that has been flooded and overtaken with a chaotic sense of sensuality, of the occult, of greed, of adultery, of violence, it is our time amongst many other things we could list. And what's fascinating to me about Noah is that God decrees that he, living in the same kinds of situations and, and the same kinds of temptations and the same kinds of things that were inundating him, him and coming at him in every direction, he not only maintained a proper and righteous conduct for everyone to see, but what's really fascinating is, is the word a just man Zadik literally also means inwardly he maintained that quality of righteousness and quality of character. On the surface, that might be sufficient to just simply say that. But if we really allow the Spirit of God to take us into a place of depth in relation to a society that is just about to be judged not too many days from now, understanding the weight and the depth of the onslaught and opportunity to participate and partake in the popular culture of his day. It talks about and reveals to us just how much the depth of development of his own interior self was. David lamented when he sinned with Bathsheba and was confronted with the prophet Nathan over his adultery and other things that he had done. When he writes the 51st Psalm, he begins to break down in there some very specific things that, that the Spirit of God revealed to him about the quality of character. And David goes on to say that what God, if God required just an outward show, in other words, he said, if uh, sacrifice and offering, you didn't want that, Lord, or I would have given it to you. In other words, I could have done outward religiously righteous things. But I discovered that what you're really after is truth in the inward part of my spirit. And, and then he said, make me to understand this or to know wisdom in that part of myself, which is hidden even from my own eyes. And so what's beautiful about what the spirit points out to us in verse 9 concerning Noah, that he was a just man, was that he was not only religiously righteous on the outside, but he maintained that that spiritual depth of quality, verity, and equity within the very interior of his own soul, of his own spirit. This speaks of development. This speaks of a life that pursues God at levels that are, that are much more intense and focused on, on pursuit of God that goes well beyond just an initial a religious experience with God. And the fact that Noah had his spirit so developed and guarded in the midst of what we know from Genesis chapter 6 is the most evil time that humanity had ever seen uh, is, is a testimony to the working of the Holy Spirit and what he allowed the Holy Spirit to work within his very own life. Because it says he was just and he was perfect. And we talked about the word perfect, meaning complete, to be whole, to be entire, and to be without spot or blemish, to be undefiled. finished. Yes. yes. A what, brother? Undefiled. Undefiled. That's correct. Yes. 
that's this that's is powerful. A, yeah, go ahead. No, I just wanted to say, brother, what you're doing, brother Marty, is you're really answering the question that many of us may have. You know, how can I keep myself right in in such a time like this? You know, what you know, we're we're, we're you're explaining the character of no he was a just man perfect and he walked with god and and you keep saying this over and over and i think it's important for the hearer and the listener for us to understand that this is not just something that comes overnight something that was developed noah pursuing these things right yeah perfection you know it, and that's something that i think we need to understand by the spirit of god those are the same Very things much. that god wants wants to develop in us and wants us to pursue in this hour. Amen. And I think that that is exactly why when Moses recorded these events in Genesis chapter 6, that he begins the very first seven chapters by laying out just how absolutely demonic, corrupt, and defiled the age in which Noah found himself living in actually was. Because when it says in verse 8 that he found uh, uh, grace in the eyes of the Lord, it, it implies that that he came to the surface. He rose above the collective of humanity, that his walk before God was so striking and so um, consecrated that it drew the attention of the eyes of the Lord to him. And, and then the Lord in verse 9 uh, has Moses record what those qualities actually were and like you were saying, the reason that we continually uh, uh, feel led to, to discuss the more personal aspects of walking with God in these times is precisely because this is what qualified him uh, to receive additional information concerning the coming judgment. See, when he lays out the case between Genesis 6, verse 1 and 7, like we said, it's the case. And it's the description of how the culture actually was. And once he finishes laying that out, he then draws our attention to one particular individual. And, and he talks to, talks to us about Noah because really he's reflective, as Jesus told us to study his days as it was in the days of Noah. He's reflective of an end-time body of Christ. He's reflective of the reason in, in many senses because of the sacrifice and resurrection of our Lord, his church is, is the only thing that's going to be preserved, but creation itself will be preserved as a result of, of the faith and the actions of, of the end time body of Christ and subsequently all the body of Christ throughout history up until the coming of the Lord. And so he lays this case out in Genesis 1, uh, 6, 1 through 7, so that we can understand just how extraordinary, first of all, it was that this man was able in this kind of a climate to prove that it wasn't impossible to serve God in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. It is to alert us to the fact that by the Spirit of God, the distinction is seen. Whether it's recognized or appreciated within the culture, it is seen by the eyes of the Lord. And that, brothers and sisters, ultimately is the only thing that matters. He was just both on the outside and he was just on the inside. And that is the issue because really, as Solomon told us, we are to guard our hearts because out of our hearts 
overflow the forces or the issues of life. It was Jesus himself in the great Sermon on the Mount that pointed out the distinction of what actually defiles a man. He said, it's that which proceeds out of the heart. For out of the heart proceeds adulteries, fornications, lust, idolatry, goes down the list, right? Murders, thefts, everything that was prevalent in those days. And so he's revealing that it is the issue of the heart. Jeremiah the prophet would say, don't rend your outward garment, he says, under the spirit of the Lord. He says, but rend your heart, circumcise your heart, set a covenant with God from your heart. And so after God lays the case from verse 1 through 7, it appears that he does that in order to show us that the culture itself affected Noah. And how he responded to it is extraordinary. It is extraordinary because it, it, it puts spiritual pressure on all of us to reflect. And it was the Lord himself when we began this this uh, this series this week, as we explored in in in, in uh, Luke chapter 17, uh, who revealed at that time that the kingdom of heaven is within you, that the authority of God and His rule must begin on the inside, and so He draws our attention to this extraordinary servant of God, who, in the midst of what He was seeing and what He was witnessing in His culture, rather than being overwhelmed by it to the point of despair, he responded to it with an aggressive pursuit of God. That's why he's in the, the pantheon. Martyrs, yes, go ahead. Um, you mentioned something that just, just was highlighted in my spirit, a spiritual pressure that came to Noah. Now, mm. I guess the question would be, it doesn't come to just everybody because it's going to come to people who respond ultimately, right? That kind of pressure. Um, and, yeah. I, and I feel like there's, there's people that are feeling that, you know, and, and they're hearing the, the podcast and, and, and everything they're hearing is like, Oh my God, the world's about to end, you know? And, <laughs> and <laughs> but, but it's really, yes, we know what's coming, but it's a spiritual pressure. Um, I don't know if it's, if everybody's feeling it, I don't know, but, I know there is a people they are that are right. Yeah, the question I wanted to pose. No, I agree with that, and and see, I think that again, you know, I'm returning to the to the to the thought of verse one through seven being the case that was laid out, but also the description of the culture and society of of that day, and and if we think about it, how extraordinary it really is, because in verse three, God reveals, I'm only going to allow 120 more years. Uh, until I destroy humanity, till judgment is coming. And this is why right. he goes on and reveals all the things we've already discussed. But I think he reveals that before he reveals Noah, because he wants to show the contrast between the two. See, when Noah was living in that society, what it did was triggered within him an understanding. Now, remember what we talked about before, that prophecies had gone before from Adam all the way up to Methuselah, you know, through Enoch and Adam. And, 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 and the Bible talks about uh, that he sent his prophets from the foundation of the world. And so Noah witnessing the culture he was living in and the way that God laid it out, his response to what he was seeing was to pursue God. The others went off and did their thing. 
you know, and became worse. And so when you dig into it and, and, and really meditate on it and think about the extraordinary nature of it and why God draws our attention to him in verse 8, after he lays out the case why humanity must be judged, it is God's way of saying, and Jesus subsequently, who told us to study those days, to look at it, to understand it, and then to take the revelation that the Spirit teaches us through it and begin to apply it to our lives. Because from this point on, there's about 100 years left, right? And, right. and, and he's, right. he's already living like that. You know, he's already living like that. So the the onslaught of, of the culture, the onslaught of the world at that time, it alerted him to something. It alerted him that the prophecies from Adam till now were about to come to pass. Because according to Josephus, for example, those prophecies specifically stated <clears throat> that that God was going to judge the world in two ways. One would be by fire, one would be by flood. But they really didn't know which one it was. And then when Enoch gets his prophecy, uh, he comes uh, and is quoted in Jude. The prophecy of Enoch was of the second coming of the Lord. And so, <laughs> so <clears throat> this is what's going through Noah's heart. Is it that prophecy of Enoch? Or is it the prophecy of Adam of the water? Because the Lord cometh to take vengeance with fire, right? And so which one was it? It didn't really matter. What he could sense and what he could see. And what he understood, and again, let's dig in here because <clears throat> you, you and I all know it's common to men. I mean, if we're in a situation that's 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 seductive or or just flat out gross, man. I mean, you know, because the closer you walk with the Lord, the more things get gross to me, man. I tell you, uh, you know. But but if you're on the fringes, you know, and then you've got the you know the old belly dancing devil, right, trying to lure you her way. <laughs> I mean, if you're not consecrated to God, you ain't going to make it. If you don't have a spirit like Joseph, right, who fled Potiphar's house when his wife tried to get a hold of him, uh, you know, that kind of quality of character, that's what it did to Noah. Rather than 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 uh, even compromising, it says that he pursued God. That's why we were talking about earlier uh, when you posed your question was this is one of the reasons that Noah is <clears throat> is included in the pantheon of faith that we find in Hebrews chapter 11, which is what we'll conclude in a few moments here, is that what the Bible lays out in Hebrews 11, 6, is that they that come to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, verse 6, and immediately it goes right to Noah, by faith Noah being warned of God. In verse 7, Hebrews 11, 7. So it's interesting that, that the Holy Spirit had Paul write in verse 6 first that, that the, what, what the qualifications uh, of, of pursuing God are. And then he goes right to Noah. See, because what that implies is that, <clears throat> is that uh, he that cometh to God must first believe that he is. That implies a thought that we all must have is that there's a higher authority than ourselves that we have to answer to. And the fact that our attention in Genesis 6, verse 8, is drawn to Noah after God lays out the case, based on what Hebrews eleven six says, that he that cometh to God must first believe that he is, it is an indictment on the generation that then was that nobody was coming to God except Noah. 
which seems to imply that you also have then a culture that is is devoid of of the belief in the one and the true God. And and I think this is one of the reasons that Jesus said when he was preaching, when the Son of Man comes, he says, will he find faith on the earth? Oh, mm-hmm. So <clears throat> here we see that what what we learn from Hebrews eleven six is that Noah uh, believed that God was. It wasn't the popular fashion of the day. It was all, it was mocked. It, it was ridiculed. Uh, there was all kinds of other stuff going on. God lays out the case in verse 1 through 7 of chapter 6. But obviously Noah believed that he was and that he had to answer to him. And that he was a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And that is what we're seeing here in verse 8 and 9, is that he is one who believes in the higher authority of God over his life, in spite of what he sees all around him, and that he will reward him for that. And so he adjusted himself spiritually, physically, mentally, whatever way, soul and spirit and body to to that, not only what he sees happening, but it began to dawn on him Uh that 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 what he was witnessing was the very time frame that had been prophesied from the prophets nine generations leading up to him and it was yeah. time to to adjust accordingly he found so grace in, in the eyes of the lord go ahead brother you know another thing i think that we can glean and now speaking about our time today you know the word culture has become a has become a very catchy phrase in our, especially in, in the evangelical preaching. Um, yeah. It seems to me like the church is bent on either of these, and these are the, the the things that came to my mind. The church is telling us that we must adjust to the culture or change <laughs> with the culture, right? That's what we hear. Mm-hmm. Or others say we must change the culture, which sounds good, right? Or others say we must gear towards the culture so that's why our churches are made now with cafes donuts coffee shops lighting smoke <coughs> excuse me smoke screens and and so <laughs> forth but yeah. you know it, it, what we have become is just like the culture and as as, as we're studying this brother martin as you're, you're you're bringing this out in verse nine about the character i see that noah did the very opposite that the church is telling us to do and in a right, sense, right. the life of Noah, check this out, the, the life of Noah co- really confronted the culture <laughs> with the gospel. Really. You know, we're not yeah. called to change the culture. We're not called to be like the culture and to adjust our, no. We are called <laughs> to confront it with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, yeah. and I just think that's that's important to, you know, as, as it meshes with everything that we're saying. Noah did the very opposite of what the church, the Christian church, is telling us to do, right? And, and that's, that's important because because understand as we look at Genesis chapter five again, returning to the the line of Seth, that was the holy seed, and many times in there you can read it on your own. It talks about you know each subsequent generation giving uh, fathering sons and daughters. So we know <laughs> that there were other children in the line of Seth here that weren't doing what Noah did. And 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 it's it's there if you choose to see it, that that they in essence are like that false church. They came up under the line of Seth 
But when it came down to it and the judgment actually fell, only one, a small remnant came out of it and was saved. Because it implies that they all went off and blew it. They fell away. See? And you you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right? Because well, let's just look at so you know what I'm talking about here. Look at uh look at uh, verse nineteen of, 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 of Genesis five. Will you read that, brother? Jeremy. And Jared is is uh a five of Genesis, yeah. And Jared lived after he begot Enoch eight hundred years and begot sons and daughters. Sons and daughters. And he's in the line of the of the holy line of Seth. He's in the same line as Jesus. Right? Jared right. is. Mm-hmm. And he has sons and daughters. But when we get to the time of, of the flood, none of them are hanging out with Noah. And then and then Enoch right. has a son, right? Look at, read, read verse 22. And Enoch walked with God after he begot Methuselah 300 years and begot sons and daughters. Even the great prophet Enoch had multiple sons and daughters. <laughs> <laughs> but where yeah, are they man. right they're not there either right? Powerful. Wow. and then what about Methuselah read verse 26 Methuselah I mean the whole thing is named after him when he dies it's gonna happen <laughs> wow right. Read, right read verse 26 <laughs> and Methuselah lived after he begot Lamech 782 years and begot and? sons and, and he had sons and daughters, right? And read verse uh, uh, number, uh, let's see, 30. 30. Lamech. 30. And Lamech lived after he begot Noah 595 years and begat sons and daughters. Wow. So from Jared to Enoch to Methuselah to Lamech, who had sons and daughters, all had sons and daughters, Noah included in that line, but only Noah. By the time we get here, in the holy line now, <laughs> this ain't Cain's kids, okay? <laughs> this isn't Cain's genealogy. This is the genealogy by which Luke identifies that the Lord Jesus Christ himself is part of that genealogy because he is the second Adam, like, like, uh, you know, uh, Seth was called the second Adam or the, or the likeness of, of Adam. So they all had sons and daughters, multiple in the holy line, just like the church today has, has all kinds of kids and has for 2,000 years. But yet the Bible is explicit that when we get to the end of time, just like in the days of Noah, that's what Jesus is saying, it's going to be a very, very small remnant that actually is still holding to the faith. Now, you cannot say, I mean, I just can't even imagine that that Enoch, who saw the second coming of the Lord thousands of years ago, right, uh, didn't share that with his kids. I mean, of course he did. (laughs) But what happened to him, right? What happened to him? Or what about Methuselah? Enoch specifically named him according to the prophecies. When he dies, it's going to come, right? And he had sons and daughters. Every time, uh, you know, they said his name or they heard someone call his daddy Methuselah, what they heard in their ears was, hey, when you die, it's coming, (laughs) because that's what his name means. 
right? So, you know, right. I mean, we, we go ahead. Were you going to say something? Brother, there's an account, and, and I know you would know better, uh, uh, that Methuselah died, and then I think a day after the flood came, others say seven days after. Um, but it's interesting. That's all it's, you know, that we know about it, but it doesn't say that Methuselah found grace. So maybe did he right. get discouraged? Did he get disillusioned? You know, did he become part of the culture? You know, what, what well, happened? Well, there's... there's... Yeah, there's debate when it comes to Methuselah. I've read a few things about that, and 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 in a sense, it, it there's the there's there's the camp that says maybe, you know, he made no significant difference. But there's the other camp that says he really represents the the uh, a signal or a sign uh, to the end time generation. You know, when that that culmination, that generation that will live right up to the judgment passes away, that that it, it's symbolic, right? And we we've right. seen that we've seen some great men of God passing away recently, <laughs> That's true. you know. Right. Yeah. It, right. It, it, and the seven days basically was was a period of time of mourning. But if we dug into it even deeper, it, it's representative of the seven year tribulation period. But we ain't got time to get into that today, because what I feel <laughs> what I feel the Lord is having us do is, is to look at this, because when we oh, arrive, okay. what we what we see is multiple sons and daughters born to multiple godly men, prophets of God. Right. Right. No one greater than Enoch. But yet the word and the prophetic word over time lost its sting, if you will. It lost its its uh, its quality to hold the alert the alertness of, of of those generations. So that when we get to Noah, we see just a remnant church. It's almost like the parable that Jesus talked about, right? And in, in the five wise and the five foolish. You know, the the five wise go into the into the wedding feast with the Lord. The five foolish don't, and yet they were all called virgins, right? So you have a false and a true church. And even Paul talks about, if you want to talk prophetically, that that there will be a falling away of the church, and, and that only a few will be saved. And and I know that makes people nervous, but it doesn't have to, because you can be part of the few. I mean, even the Marines have a few good men, right? So. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. And, and, and you know, we, we speak we speak of the spirit of Elijah. Um, you know, that's really what what was over Noah's life. It, you know, uh, Elijah came to Mount Carmel and basically told God's people, "Look." You know, we're we're between two opinions. If you're gonna serve Bell, Baal, yeah. serve him. Stop mm-hmm. being in the fringes. Stop being in the middle. You're all. You know, most of the modern church is already there. You know, just confess it. If you're gonna serve the world, you're gonna serve Bell. Do it. If you're not, yeah. then serve God. Right. That's, right. That, that's where we're at. You know, this is this is what it's come down to, and this is why there's only a remnant that chooses to serve God. The the, the yes. spiritual pressure that that we spoke about that came upon Noah, you know, and again, it, it was something that was uh, he was seen in his culture and in his society that was taking place, you know, and, and and it's something that we're seeing in our day and age in the church. We know the world is the world, but this right. this is what it's come down to. Is listen. We can no longer be in the middle. We're either going to uh, uh, heed to the words of Jesus as it was in the days of Noah and realize that we are being called to a Noah kind of faith and 
mixed with action or we are going to fall in line with uh, those that were judged uh, uh, with the flood. You know, that, yeah. that's how serious it is, as I'm listening to, to what both of you are saying. It's, it's where we're at, right? It's, it's where we're headed. It is. And, yeah. and consider this, uh, you made me think of this, because as we just went down that list, you know, Enoch, who was the, one of the, if not the greatest prophet of God, of the old time at least, um, you know, he has Methuselah and names him uh, as an identifying marker to that generation that when, when Methuselah would die, the flood would come or the judgment would come. And then mm-hmm. Methuselah, uh, whose father was Enoch, is only uh, uh, gives gives uh, fathers Lamech, who's just one generation removed from Enoch, and then Lamech fathers Noah. So mm-hmm. Noah's the fourth generation from Enoch, right? But we know of Lamech that he had sons and daughters because we just read it. So you know, just from being human, <laughs> I mean that you know Grandpa Enoch. You, and where is Grandpa Enoch anyway? I don't know. <laughs> Last we heard, he was walking yeah. with God and he's disappeared. <laughs> mm-hmm. right. I mean, if that's right, if that's not enough to just blow your mind and know that this got up up under the psyche of that of that Sethian line, you know, that holy family line, you know darn well they were sharing it with their kids and telling, you know, telling each other, you know, this is what Grandpa Enoch said, man, and and, and last I heard, he was, he was off with God somewhere and he never came back. You know, he's gone. And then he named Grandpa Methuselah for what he saw, that when Grandpa Methuselah dies, the judgment's going to come. What kind, we don't know. It could be fire. It could be flood. Specific, more specific information was withheld until it was time. You know, and that's what that's what we read in verse 13 of Genesis chapter 6. God gave Noah the specific revelation for his time and told him a flood was coming, right? But so then Lamech, who's Methuselah's son, fathers Noah and other sons and daughters. And so these prophecies came down through these generations, but only Noah, it got a hold of him. Incredible. It is, because we see the... I mean, family members, right? We're talking about family members (laughs) here, you know, that didn't give heat. And this is where it's going to be difficult for many Christians, because you're going to be surrounded by uh, family members, you know, where there's emotional attachment, and you're seeing Mm. things, and you're trying to explain it to them, but they can't see it. And, and it's a hopeless situation, you know. Yeah. Uh, we're going to encounter this, and this is the price to pay to follow Jesus Christ, right? So think about that. These are great names we're talking about here, you know. <laughs> uh, and, and and the Bible doesn't say a whole lot, you know, it leaves us hint as to what might have happened to their children. But, I mean, I mean, children of Enoch doesn't mention anything about them. So you're like, so what happened to them? You know, exactly. you know, well, we know, and that's that's an incredible thought right there. You know, well, we know because the judgment came, and we know that there was right. only eight saved. You know, Noah, his exactly. wife, his three sons, and their wives. That was it, and and so Jesus draws our attention to that as it was in the days of Noah, and so we can look at the world now, like we were talking about. We can look at all the horrible things going on in the world, but apparently. This 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 godly line of people through Seth, through Jared, through Enoch, through Methuselah, through Lamech, up till Noah's time, 
all these sons and daughters got caught up in the spirit of the age, the godly seed, the right. holy mm-hmm. people. Right. And and that's what Paul, that's why Paul, in the spirit of the Holy Spirit, uh, moved by the Holy Spirit, tells the church the same thing, that the church in the last days will fall away. These sons of, of, of Jared and Enoch, Methuselah, Lamech, the sons and daughters, all fell away. Only Noah and his family, a remnant at the end, will will respond and will receive divine instruction because that's what happened. See, many people debate the prophecies today, but what God seems to be revealing is after pointing these characteristics out to Noah in verse 13, then God breaks into Noah's life and and says, the end is is now come before me. It's time. And what he's saying in verse 16 and who he's bringing this information to is a Noah-like church at the end of time. Right. Those who who have walked justly, that is, righteous in conduct and character outwardly and inwardly. Those who have allowed the Holy Spirit to finish and complete them and mature them. And, and, yes. and who have, by reason of this, uh, separated themselves and kept themselves without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish. And and then comes the walking with God, which Noah did, which is the third component of his characteristics, which he see, then began to press in. Let's let's go back and look at that again in verse nine, Genesis six nine, in light of what we're talking about here, because it says Noah was a just man. We've been discussing that he was perfect. He was brought to this place of without spot and blemish. And notice that the third thing that is said of him, he's walking with God. Mm. Now, the Holy Spirit never, ever puts any kind of a list in Scripture as it comes to mind. I mean, he, he's very specific. He always yes. he always does things in order so that we can learn the progression. If you think you're going to walk with God at a level that is conversant with him and to walk a pace with him, because that's what it means, is to be conversant with God himself. And to walk alongside him or to keep pace with the spirit. That's literally what it means. Until that, you can't get there until the other two things are in in your life and flowing. They're, they're, they're not things you're in and out of. They are actual uh, building blocks and components of what makes up you. And in Noah's case, it was it began with an outward uh, righteous conduct in the midst of a crooked generation. It developed into both doing what was right on the outside, but filtering into a quality of verity and 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 character within within between him and his God. From uh, from Hebrews eleven six, we know he that cometh to God must believe that he is. It, it shows that Noah maintained his awareness of the higher authority that had been handed down to him from generations, whether it was Jared, Enoch, Methuselah, or Lamech, his father. And he he answered to that. And when he saw what was taking place around him, he began to adjust himself accordingly. And over time, it began to to change him an interior working of the Holy Spirit. 
which gave way to a response of shunning himself from the things that would defile him. He became without spot, without blemish. He was allowing the Spirit of God to develop him to a full maturity, a complete maturity. After that, it then says, now he's walking with God, and God comes to him and reveals to him incredibly vital information that's going to ensure his survival when the judgment hits the fan. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. right? <laughs> so mm-hmm. there's so much we could dig into there, man, and 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 uh, and, and look at, but you I know, think it, it also speaks. Into... Go ahead, brother. brother Marty. I think it also speaks of process. You know, he was just absolutely yes perfect and walk with God. Yeah. It's the process of our lives. You know what I mean? How do we get to that place where we can clearly hear his voice? Well, there's an order. Yeah, well, we, right. We well, we know the first know. the first step is act right. Yes. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that simple. If the basic thing, right? Don't be an yeah. idiot. <laughs> obey his word. If obey obey his right. word. I mean, yeah, man. You know, this... That's this right. it, and I think I think it's funny because because this is I mean the the church splits hairs over stupid doctrines yes, they come yes, up with correct you know correct. this hyper grace message this whole message of the cross thing you know the, I mean and I'm not denigrating anybody or their beliefs they they have a right to to interpret whatever they want to interpret uh, although the scripture is of no private interpretation my point is this it's as if we're looking for excuse to excuse ourselves mm-hmm. you know what I mean. But mm-hmm. Noah didn't do that. That's why Jesus turns our attention to the Savior, the one who died on the cross. He says, go look at how Noah acted. Because it's going to be the same for my church as well as the world at large in the end. And and Noah uh, did stuff, you know. That's the whole premise of, 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 of the book of James, the whole premise of, of the uh, – of, of the pantheon of faith in Hebrews 11, when all the great saints are, and their faith is commended, it says that when God warned Noah by faith, uh, uh, Noah being warned of God of things not yet seen, uh, moved with fear and prepared an ark. So it's not enough to just say, you know, I have faith. He actually had to do something with his faith. The two go hand in hand. The outward proves the inward, right? I mean, <laughs> so um, anyway, so that's good. That's good. Yeah. So he's he's walking with God again, like you said earlier, which I thought was fantastic. You know, the, the, the culture of his day, even his backslidden brothers and sisters, because we know he had some. Right. Because it says he had brothers right. and sisters. Lamech with his father and Lamech had sons, plural and daughters, plural. Even his backslidden brothers and sisters had no clue. They had become so familiar with culture and so familiar with the spirit of the age that the prophecies of grandpa don't matter no more. As a matter of fact, they don't even come to mind. They were completely unaware and incapable of discerning their times. Even though Noah, the Bible tells us, was preaching the judgment was coming, right? He would start preaching about judgment. But because they had been up under this kind of prophetic preaching of Noah for 100 years or so, they no longer were paying attention to the words. And I like what you said earlier, Brother Jeremy. Noah didn't change his message to placate the culture. 
Right. You want to talk about right. a successful ministry? Only eight people came to his church, and he was one of them. He was completely, he was anti-culture. Yeah, you get blown up for that, saying those kind of things now as a preacher, you know, because right. the, the culture of the world is in the church. And, right. you know, I, I've also heard preachers say, he was angry, he said, you know, the culture's a mess in America, the church should have been at the forefront, uh, uh, setting the tone for America's culture. No, right. that's not what we're right. called to do. Right. There's nothing right. in this world that we are going to change. <laughs> nothing. Right. We're looking for a, a new kingdom. We're yes. looking for a kingdom that's not of this world. We are not supposed to set the trend or, or set the tone for any culture in this world, not the church. Because in doing that, we are going to compromise. And that's what's happening. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and Noah, Noah is called to something completely different. You know, he's, he's called to save yeah. his family. <laughs> that's really what he's called to do. And through <laughs> it and by the, the building of this ark, he condemned the world. His actions, yes. his actions, the yes. way he carried himself, condemned yes. the world. Think about that. Right. It's powerful because you you learn, especially to the culture today or, or to the generation of today, we can glean something because that's exactly the attitude that Daniel took when he was put yes. in, da in, in Babylon, right? Yes. The Bible, right. one of my favorite verses in the Bible, he says, Daniel purposed in his heart that yeah. he would not defile himself. See, right. the, the, the making of the mind has to be done right now. Because we're about to face, you're not going to be have an opportunity to be changing here. No, there, there's a aggressive antichrist spirit that will suck you in. If you're, if you're not know. walking with God, you, we have to purpose. We, have, we, we should have already done that. But God is still yeah. giving us an opportunity, you that are listening, to us to make things right and purpose in your heart. Because, But let me tell you something. Just let me give you this a warning that comes with it, that whenever you set your mind to truly serve and follow and obey God, you will have opposition. And that opposition will even come even from within your own family. Yes, I know what right. I'm talking about. My brothers know what, what we're talking about, that when you truly set your mind to serve God, because when you really, you know, look at the the quality of character of Noah. Look what the Bible says and, and the way, you know, the, the Hebrew interprets it. Brother Marty has been giving us the, the, the definitions of a just man, perfect, and walk. That's the quality of 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 of, of, of um, character, lifestyle that God is calling us to. And, yes. and 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 the reason why people don't like that because it confronts their sin. Yeah. It confronts their lifestyle. It can and it makes them think, and so that's why you know there's a rejection that comes. But if you stay true to who you are in Christ, in the end, many of those people that are rejecting you will come to you and see something different in you. You know what I'm saying? And so that, yeah. that's why it's, 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 it's so powerful. That's why I love that verse, and Daniel purpose. And I believe Noah did the same thing when he saw the culture and, or, or the, the times that he was living. He said, man, he purposed in his heart. 
I'm going to go after God and pursue him and, and, and hamper, uh, how do you say that would hamper down even more in my walk down. with yeah. God. Mm-hmm. And so we get, we get to verse 10 and we'll close here in a second uh, because it's really profound. After those things we've been discussing, then our attention is drawn to Noah's family because it says that Noah begot three sons, right? Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's really, you know, we, we don't have time to exhaust it today and, and we'll just throw this out there. It shows an additional quality that, that Noah would have a family, mm-hmm. the purpose to have sons and have a family in this kind of a culture. And when he had reached the end of time, he's about judgment is coming. He 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 still produced something. He wasn't afraid to take responsibility and raise his sons. He had seen the sons of Enoch, the sons of Methuselah, the sons of his father Lamech and daughters and what had happened to them. And he didn't want that to happen to his own children. It shows as a father. He was he was performing his lifestyle in front of his very own sons because he saved them. They were saved because of their father, but the respect that he garnered from his wife, I mean, come on, really? I mean, there's no mention of his wife, although we know she's godly because she married the devil and he married her. But they're following this man all the way to the end. And, yeah. and and this shows the quality of character and pursuit of God that that they witnessed in in his life because his boys yeah. grew up and they would not depart. I mean, if the women were so attractive in that day that angels left their habitation, come on, somebody. Right, <laughs> I mean, right, right, right. <laughs> you know, but when you got a daddy like Noah who's trained you from the day you were born, these boys stuck close to their father. And became part of building an ark that would save the entirety Hallelujah. of the godly line. My God, you know. I mean, think about that, brother Marty. You know, the the question to the men that are listening: Do you live such a godly life that if we know we're close to the end, and the Lord tells you to start doing things that in preparation for? I don't know what that is, but we know he's requiring of us a lot of things. Yeah. Do we have that kind of walk with God where our children and our wives can say, because of the life he lives, a godly life, I'm going to listen to what he's saying. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That's, that's powerful, powerful. It is. You know, it, it brings tears. It, it brings tears to me because, you know, I'm a father. Yes. I have five children. And the question, you know, many you know, as a human being, you you say, How am I gonna raise a godly seed? Yeah. Such a time like this. But when you said that, Brother Marty, it encourages us Praise to God. continue to do what we're doing. Yes. Teach our Amen. kids with our life that we live, to teach them the word. And, you know, that, that's power because I think that's, that's, that's the fear that many, I'm talking about parents that love God, 
that yes. come with these questions. How are we going to do it in this hour? And then you say this, it, it's the Lord speaking to parents as Noah, even in the midst, he still brought up a seed. If Noah did it, the same can happen to us if we stick to the word. If we keep and I, in the and I wanna, of God. Yes, and I want to encourage, uh, you know, other men that might be listening, and I know they are because I've heard from all over the country, there's been testimonies of different, <laughs> from New York to Oregon, man. I mean, right, even yeah. in Michigan, we heard, yeah, I mean, people are listening, Oklahoma. I mean, I, I, how that's happened, only the Spirit of God could do that. But but I want to encourage you because because you hear word like this sometimes, and I used to do this, you know. I wasn't always this holy man like I am today. <laughs> so, but seriously, I mean, I was one of the sons of Lamech, man. I mean, I, I, I was in the church, but completely, absolutely, you know, compromised, unbeknownst to myself, really, until the Holy Spirit began to reveal those things to me. And if, if we hear word, I used to hear word like that, and I would, I would be convicted by the Spirit of God, and I would be saddened. Because I realized I can't rise to the level of this beauty that's being portrayed before me in the in the things of God, but but God has a way when He reveals those things to us. And yes, we have to go. Yeah, I, I, maybe you've blown it in the past. Who who cares? Because what matters now, and the reason that God. Uh, brings these kinds of words out now in these kinds of climates that we find ourselves living in in these last days is that it, it's only one simple adjustment, and that is mm. I, I I humble myself before God, that's it, that's and it. and I turn from my yeah. wicked ways, and yeah. I pray, yeah. and yeah. and and He comes and heals my heart. Right? I mean, that's what He does. And so yeah. these these words are not meant to condemn, but to inspire. You yeah, know right. that the Holy Spirit can develop us, and if we allow Him to, uh, and bring us to that place for what you may be embarrassed about that you've done in the past, or maybe what discredited you for years with your with your family. It doesn't matter, because God promises that He's able to restore the year. <laughs> yeah, amen. He's a, I feel that man. Oh, he's, he's able to restore the years that the caterpillar has eaten, man. That slow yes. gnawing way of your testimony before your family. And let me tell you, I know what that's like. And I know the shame that men can walk through and the sadness and the lament. I mean, imagine Peter, the apostle Peter who who denied the Lord. He went out and wept bitterly. But God came yeah. to him and made him the keynote speaker on the day of Pentecost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So, you know, you get right with God and God makes everything right with you. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so yes. so while we, we, Jesus says, now you go look and it's meant to inspire us. It's meant to, to tell us and let us know we can achieve by the grace and the working of the Spirit of God in our lives this level of respect from our families because God begins to work on the heart, not just your family, but culture around you, you know, and, 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 and you don't even have to worry about it. You don't have to prove it. You don't have to go out there and, 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 you know, take a big megaphone and say, I'm this, I'm that. Your life will speak volumes. And, and, and over time, Amen. over time, hallelujah. 
God is good, man. You see, yes. he, he raised his family. He took care of his wife. His son selected women that were worthy to be part of the new world. Glory to God. Yes. And, 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 and all of that we could dig into and talk about because all of it reveals to us the kind of families, the kind of community that the Holy Spirit is preparing right now. These things were in advance. And when the time came, verse 11 and 12, God finally moves. And once these things were in place, then verse 13 says, now God speaks directly to Noah and tells him, the end of all flesh has come, so go make yourself an ark. <laughs> so that's where it starts. And maybe we'll pick this up. I just feel like we need to stop right there. But, but, but notice, God came and gave him specific instructions of what was coming. Remember what we talked about? He brought clarity to the prophetic word because two prophecies were out there descending from Adam through Enoch, you know, that God was going to come and, and would either judge and it was going to judge twice, once with flood, once with fire. Uh, God reveals to him the, the correct interpretation of his time, right? He says, this is the days of the flood. And, and subsequently, we know this, that God is going to open the scriptures as, he, as, as the angel Gabriel told Daniel in the end time, which we believe is our time. And he's going to re reveal everything is going to become clear to the wise. None of the wicked will understand. Where were the sons and daughters of Lamech and Enoch and Methuselah? They were nowhere to be found. None of the wicked will understand. But the wise, those who acknowledge God as their Lord and Savior and the right ruler and maker of their lives, um, they will turn to him and he will reveal like he did to Noah. That's why Jesus said, you go, you go look at him. And God will specifically give you instructions in this hour as to what to do, where to go, stay put or go forward, whatever. It's very yeah. specific information that would lead him and his family to navigate themselves all the way into that ark, all the way into the Lord Jesus Christ, because that's what the ark represents. He's coming soon. And, yes. and we pray that that, that, that that you've been challenged and that this series has, has, uh, has at least sparked some thought <laughs> and, and, and most of all has revealed the Lord Jesus Christ and his soon return to you. Any closing thoughts, brother? Man. Well, it's, it's been a, a tremendous week that we've had in the word of God. And I just think today as we close, I just sent to, to make a, a small prayer for those that are yeah. listening, because, uh, you know, I know God has, has spoken today to a lot of us. I know he's spoken to me and reminded me, and I pray that he has encouraged you and challenged you. But let, let's, let's finish off this, this week with a prayer and just thanking him because he always speaks to us. Amen. And when he speaks, you know, there's peace. When he speaks, uh, things change. So let us pray. Father, I just want to thank you, God, for your word today, Lord for the things that you have spoken unto our lives, unto our hearts, God. Father, I, I just sense, Lord, that there may be a listener, someone listening, going through a similar situation, asking the Lord. And, and, and I believe that through this word you have spoken to, to us, Lord, you have brought some clarity in some things. And I just pray 
Lord, as we're challenged, to, that you would draw us closer together, especially to any of the men that are listening, the fathers, the husbands, Lord. Father, the, the responsibility that we have as priests of our home, that you will continually give us the grace to be, Lord God, a, a, a husband to our wives, to be a father to our children, to teach our families, as I believe Noah would sit his family down, to teach him the things that, that you have spoken to him. And Father, in this hour, we need Noah's in this hour. We need Noah's, Lord, that will, that will comfort the family, that will know what to do, Lord, that will know what to say, that will hear from God, that would make up, Lord, their minds, that they will follow after you, God. I pray for the mothers, Lord, that are raising their children. Lord, some of them are single mothers. Give them the grace that they need in this hour. Father, we need you so much, Lord. But at the same time, we leave today, this Friday, with gratitude in our hearts for the word that you have spoken throughout this week, Lord. And I pray that we will continue to glean and be challenged and draw closer to you, even in this hour, God. We love you, we praise you, and we thank you for all of your goodness. I ask for your protection over every single listener that is listening today over this weekend. Yes. And Lord, that you would be with us as we go forward. And Lord willing, we'll be back here Monday. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. And keep looking up.